All right. So our friend Brian Reeves from College Station. Hi, Brian. Hey, Brian. He had a pretty good question, I thought. He said, if Chad and Patrick hadn't formed Blackguards back in the day, what would we be doing now? Did we have a, when I grow up, I want to be blank, 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 or any other plans? So, and he also says, I'd love to hear Mike and Wes chime in as well. Unfortunately, they're not here. Well, speaking of the Mike and Wes thing, that's the drummer and fiddler, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, just... You know, it's been a few weeks now. We've been saying that they're coming on. Well, let me just, uh, just, uh, uh, Mike's been extremely busy. Mike's only got about 17 different jobs that he does. And, uh, he, uh, and I won't tell him where I live. So he's not, he, he, he can't find us. But, um, he, uh, he will be on, on very, very soon. And also, Wes doesn't live in the same town as us. Thanks, Pete. I mean, so, uh, we can, um, uh, we have to we have to schedule this. This is going to happen. It's one of those things that, yeah, you know, Chad lives fairly close, and uh, you know he's able to do this. But they they definitely will be on there. And there's a couple of subjects that we want to tackle that we haven't been able to because we want yeah. the four of us in the in the room to keep at least Chad honest, you know, with the <laughs> with the answers and the stories and whatnot. So hang tight. We will have them on for that, uh, but. Um, you know, because I know that you said uh, Kelly had said that he had had a, had a good yeah, question yeah, as well, a really good question, and we wanted to make sure the lads were there for that. So yeah, so yeah, so we definitely will have them. And then uh, you turning and stumbling back to the first question, yeah, very right, good question. So there's essentially two questions buried in that that one question, which was oh, tell us them both. What would we be doing if we weren't in this band specifically? And then also, what would we be doing if we weren't in any band? <laughs> if we didn't go into music, yeah. Well, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I I know what I'd be doing. Uh, I had a I had a dream just last night that uh, one of my neighbors pissed me off. So I went to this uh, place called Home Depot and uh, hired some day laborers. And I went and brought them to their house. And I said, "Hey, I don't like the color. This is my house. It's we're going to repaint it." So the lads just went to work, just scraping and painting the. <laughs> And uh, my neighbor had no intention of redoing his house, but when he got home from work that day, the place was the house was completely stripped of paint. So I'd probably be in crime. <laughs> I'd probably be in some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of mischievous. Uh, you know, I, I um, when I first moved to Houston, I was in in uh, clubs. I, I, I worked in a lot of clubs here in town, starting at the Pig and Whistle back in the early nineties. Uh, all the way through Outback Pub on Fountain View, outside the Loop, if you know Houston at all, and a uh, horrible place to visit. And then um, uh, downtown, uh, down downtown Houston. When I moved here, and I know I know everybody's dying to hear this, but I have to tell you anyway. When I moved to Houston, Houston was strictly nine to five, Monday through Friday. And then when the when the last person left at five o'clock on Friday, the lights went out. There's nothing downtown. It was a ghost town. Just uh, and then late late nineties, this started to uh, actually mid nineties. It was uh, yeah the it's, it's there's a started it's a couple of clubs and restaurants started to pepper the the downtown area and the midtown area and uh, then they put in the the well, Enron Field the the ba- the baseball field. So uh, so I so I uh, opened a few clubs downtown. Not not personally. I mean, I was in in there. Uh, I was working some of the clubs that. That uh, that started 
down there. So it was it was a brand new scene. Mm-hmm. So it was very de- and also remember the light rail went in. We had the we yeah, had the yeah. had the train system put in downtown as in well. Two thousands, so, yeah, yeah. So so Houston is a and if I've ever if I've ever bored you with the uh, my my adoration of of Houston, that's that's a lot of it. It was the the kind of rebirth of the the Houston scene uh, in that uh, all these fantastic restaurants went in there and great clubs and great you know just 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 this nightlife and it was kind of an overnight thing and then with in the in true in true you know just big city fashion you know as soon as it just started to get legs and started to you know really grow then they put this train system in and killed everything (laughs) so all those businesses all the restaurants and all that stuff just started to bloom and just go and then it just killed it with the construction of the of the uh the, the the light rail yeah and just for people who don't know who aren't familiar with downtown Houston getting the light rail and uh, going in the first place was an uphill battle for the Houston uh, or the people the proponents of it the people who wanted to get it going they, they fought for it for a long time and the original idea was to have an elevated line which a lot of people fought for from from what I understand uh, but they want a lot of people were nervous about that because they thought oh that's going to attract vagrants and be ugly and all kinds of stuff and. So they wound up doing light rail, which means it's it's actually on the street. So Main Street, which runs through Midtown up into downtown Houston, all the way from U of H downtown, all the way down to the Astrodome area, um, which is, I don't know, like a 10-mile stretch or something like that. Uh, <laughs> they they basically just tore up Main Street. So there's only one one lane going north and south on that street now. So it it made getting from one side of the street to the other like you can't if you're trying to turn left a lot of places you can't do it anymore and so it was it it, it was a uh it, it's it's doing okay now but it, it was a really painful transition for a lot of the, the businesses along that road including the continental club which fortunately has survived yeah so that's that was a, a long a long uh a long walk there from the subject but still <laughs> it is a tremendous uh addition to the city now yeah. Whereas before it was, it was, it was, it was awful. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was just and it was just torturous watching these wonderful clubs come in and and really start to to you know to get their their teeth into the scene and then to have them ripped out and thrown out. You know, so um, so yeah, that was um, so clubs, a lot of clubs, a lot of nightclubs, and that that was where that's where I started. And I do I, I did like that business. Um, I liked the I liked the energy of it. I'm not I'm not crazy about. Uh, bartending anymore but um uh, i love the i love that i'm i'm a i'm an I've, I've been a night owl i think as long as i've well, since i could walk anyway um uh, my mother gave me fierce time about just uh not never never going to bed on time and never getting up on time so always always been you know a reversed uh you know i've n- never been a day walker as i say so um uh so yeah so all, all the night night stuff um Always appealed to me in the, the, uh, the dark, you know. I was like that, and so that's so. The, the band stuff is great for that because you you're rarely rarely up. You rarely have to go out and play during the day, so that's a nice thing about. So yeah, I'd probably be in the. I'd probably be in some kind of night. Uh, I'd probably be. I'd probably go into a coffee shop. I'd probably open that's, a coffee shop. That's my next question. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I believe it or not, I looked into. I actually worked for a, about six minutes in a coffee shop because I wanted to do some research into it. And uh, again, the hellacious 
early morning hours and dealing with people that haven't had coffee yet. It was a Diedrichs, right? Did no. very good. Yeah. Actually, no, it was Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. But it was, it was at that location that was... Montrose, uh, yeah. Oh, right by our, the original brothers. Yeah, yeah. There was no other brothers. Which was well, that was became a Diedrichs later. Right? Yeah, yeah. But so they started right, right where, where Marble Slab used to no, be. No, yeah, just further down. I don't know why I'm pointing over here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> pointing the completely wrong. That's direction. the TV. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. But yeah, there's, there was a um, there was a it was funny when I first experimented with brewing coffee at home because it was all crap everywhere. Remember, you know, you'd have to go to uh, this is back. This is back when, you know, you have to. You had to go to IHOP or House of Pies or, mm-hmm. you know, you had to go somewhere and and drink that swill they give you, and uh, and it was always crap and you couldn't taste. But that, then uh, Randall's, I believe it was, was the big supermarket or shopping center place by by my apartment back then, and uh, and I went in. And I saw this thing. I thought it was a great name. It's called Foglifter was the coffee brothers fog lifter. So I brought it home and I tested, uh, you know, ma- made a couple of different pots with it, you know, experimenting with the, the stoutness of the, <laughs> of the coffee. And I remember just, it lit a fuse. It was absolutely, and it wasn't, it wasn't caffeinating. I mean, it wasn't, I, I, coffee doesn't send me over the, over the top shaken or, you know, awaken or bacon or whatever. Just, it just, uh, I love the taste of it. So, uh, but that one, that was the first coffee that I said, I'm going to drink a lot of this stuff. You know, this is going to catch on. And uh, then it was only a few months later that I discovered Brothers had opened up a, an actual store. An actual shop, yeah, yeah on Montrose. So I, I started going in there and every single day, and then it, it, Dietrich's bought it and they had a couple of different mm-hmm. shops here in town. And Yeah, I missed that place. Yeah, they, they, they did some good stuff too. Uh, they're, uh, if, if, you drank, if you drank coffee at Brothers, uh, Foglifter was probably the most popular, and then at D- Dietrichs, it was uh, they had the Aponis and they had the Nepente, they had the Kenya. The Kenya was out of this world. Uh, sorry, got got coffee now, uh, falling at the mouth. But yeah, they had a uh, they, the 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 thing about Dietrichs. So they had three different. They had a, a light, a medium, and a dark roast at all times. They had a decaf. Then they had flavored coffees, and they had all brewed at the same time. So you walk in there, and there's a wall of coffee, and there's there's only ten people in the place. <laughs> you know, but uh, I took care of that. I didn't yeah. take. I didn't. I, I never cared for the flavored stuff. Uh, you know, I always liked the just the really dark, thick. Yeah. Uh, like much like myself. <laughs> yeah, it was the. Uh, we can keep talking about Deirdre. I know. I know. It was the uh, the the West Thanks, Timer, Brian. the West yeah the West Timer <laughs> location, the one that I was really fond of. That building's still there. I think that's like a hairdresser or something now. How would you know? Had the little the yeah. little courtyard out there. Yeah, it's and a gorgeous, it's a gorgeous a great, building. Great, great location. And but there's no parking. And uh, yeah, the parking was was hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah. and then the other the other the other um, uh, businesses that you know that were adjacent to to Dietrich's there to go out of their mind because people would come in there and camp all day. You know, they they yeah. come in with the, and and this is again. You know, before the laptops and all that stuff, but the students were in there with their book bags, mm-hmm. and they'd be studying, and they'd be, you know, sm- and that was the other thing. It was a gorgeous building mm-hmm. with, with that little, uh, that was, little section that jutted yeah. out onto yeah. the it's onto the like, courtyard, but yeah. with the with the op- with the windows open, and yeah. the people smoking outside right. <laughs> would right. fill the fill the inside with smoke. That's right. Oh. Anyway. That. I remember that story. It was a friend of yours. Was there one time? Was yeah, talking he, to you through he, the window. Yeah, he just, he thought it was a great idea. He goes, oh, "I'm going to go outside and smoke," and he sat out <laughs> right outside the window, 
talking inside to me, right? I mean, we're, 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 you know, two, you know, two feet from each other and the smoke is bellowing inside. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so that's what you would be doing in the absence, possibly in the absence of any kind of band and stuff like that. <sighs> it's hard to say. Cause I mean, yes, I'd love to do, I'd love to, to do a coffee shop just for not, no, no, not for my own addiction or, or habit or, you know, I, 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 I'd love to do it cause it's a, it's a, it again. It would be a lot of it'd be a lot of work, and I like the energy aspect of it. I like having to, to I like the, you know, the greeting people and the the you know the the hospitality side of it. However, I do not like the like I said the 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 uncaffeinated, you know, zombies that come into the that come into the place at that early early hour, and uh, yeah, I'd probably be up for murder if I was in a place like that. So yeah, it'd be, I, I, I'd, I'd figure something out, but yeah, I've, I'd, and I, I know for a fact I wouldn't be in another band uh, because I've been in this band for a long bloody time and it, it just, it, it's a, uh, I just don't take orders very well. You know, I couldn't be in a, you know, I couldn't, I mean, you know, I'm not a good enough guitar player to be a guitar player in a band. I don't want to be a, I, I, and, and, but the thing is now I played bass for a couple of people back in the day and I love that. I love being in the background and just, you know, holding the song down, but I, I, I move around too much. <laughs> so, so that brings to the, to the other part of the question. Um, if going back to when there was that transition between Patrick Devlin band and blackguards, if, if that had just stopped, I mean, if you hadn't met me, if you hadn't met Turi, what, what do you think would have happened? Oh, I, well, as we talked about before, it, um, the meeting people, meeting musicians and stuff like that is is easy. the The hard sell was trying to, like present day, what is it, was twenty nineteen. This noise, this sound that we're making right now, is what I envisioned back even before Patrick Devlin Band or on the right. Dole was the first time I thought guitar and a fiddle, like a like a Thin Lizzy, you know dual guitar you know but be, be it a, a fiddle and a guitar mm-hmm. or whatever it was that that kind of energy in playing irish music but then also having the freedom of playing whatever the hell you want which is what we do right so but that's what i that's what i wanted back then but you couldn't you couldn't um and I, again i use the analogy that Nobody wants to get in the garage and build the go-kart, but put that thing on the top of the hill and go to, everybody wants to jump, jump on it, right? Yeah. So that was, the, that was the thing. And this wasn't just a regular go-kart. This was a go-kart that was, you know, that really hadn't been uh, seen before, or, you know. So, so it was really hard to explain. And I often thought of the, because the, I, knew, I knew a couple of the people that worked at Rock and, Rock and Robin, very, very good players. And, and I knew that they know or knew people that were, uh, able to do what I'm looking for. But it's just like if you're a headhunter, if you're looking for a person that does a specific, or not even a headhunter, if, if you're just uh, you know uh, looking for somebody that can do A, B, and C, you're not going to give that person a reference unless you've worked with them or you've seen their work or you know their work. You're not going to be able to. So I think that there was a lot of that. People didn't know. They're not going to call their friend who's an accomplished you know, musician in the area that you're looking for has the expertise or knows of, they're not going to give you that. They're not, not because they don't, a couple of reasons. One, 
they don't want to put their name on something that's going to flop or that's going to, you know, they don't know if you're a drug, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're going to be, you know, uh, wigging out, you know, freaking out or drinking and passing out or, you know, or, you know, prima donna or, uh, you know, you just don't have no idea what they're, cause we, we've all met them. We, we, we've worked with some phenomenal players that have been just an absolute disaster in their personal life or, you know, or in some other area that bleeds into your, yeah. you know, into, <laughs> into your workspace. So, so, and it was a different time back then as well. There's there, again, no internet. So you don't have the luxury of just typing in a name and seeing a video and hearing the intonation of a player, watching them on stage. Can they actually work on a stage? Can, you know, work, work a crowd? Can they, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no, um, and I had this very conversation in Arkansas the other night. We were at the Hibernia and, uh, um, bloody fantastic venue if you ever get a chance to go to little rock arkansas yeah go to go to see them have the curry and chips don't tell jerry you know us because he'll probably charge you double but yeah just absolutely brilliant night i digress but i was talking to some people there about what if the beatles started today what if elvis was discovered today what if they wouldn't be nobody would be able to get a second of uh, I, I can honestly say I've never seen any of those, you know, uh, hey, CBS is forming a band shows, you know, or or can you dance shows? I've never watched any of them. The ones, that, you know, where they pair you up with people to get a recording contract or sing and you can get a, you know, uh, X, Y, you know, you know, those. Um, like the voice? The, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 I've never seen any of that. People tell me, oh, I've oh, got great voice and they've got a great friend. I don't care. I don't want to see. Yeah. I don't want to see a, a produced thing. I want to see somebody walk into a, uh, you know, walk into the Continental Club and sit in with somebody and just tear the faces off everybody. I mean, that's what you know. So, so we didn't have any of that. We didn't have any. We, there was no preconceived. Uh, I knew what I wanted, and other people maybe in another zip code, or in another town, or in another state, might have wanted the same thing. But how in the hell are you going to get them with you know smoke signals or you know? Uh, and then, and then, the, you know, the 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 nineties came along, and you know, the internet started up, and all these things, or you know, I mean, our social internet started up, yeah. and then th that stuff was able to grow from there. But when you're trying to tell people, you know, I want to do an Irish, as soon as you say Irish, I mean, that was that was that was the kiss of death because they think, you know, and, and they, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, so that, that another forty minute answer for a, for a <laughs> no, that's true though that, that uh, I've thought about that a lot. Like um, it's been a common topic of conversation on some videos and, and th things I've seen recently. I try and imagine like what yeah what if what if the Beatles happened now um, instead of you know fifty years fifty years oh gosh it's over fifty years ago now almost sixty years ago. I yeah I I, I would kind of think. <laughs> They would have a really hard time getting anybody's attention because there's so much. So, number one, it's like you say, the media is consumed in a completely different way now than it was back then. And back then, there were just a handful of channels that people were watching and listening to. And when somebody, when something big happened, everybody was tuned into it. Yeah. So that's that's we don't have that anymore. And bands didn't do what they did. They they didn't go to Germany and play in a club for eight hours a night and. 
you know, do two or three shows a day for X amount of week. You know, they, they, uh, we've seen, we've been in, we've been in festivals where they repeat the set, you know, song for song, banter for, I mean, word for word and banter. Everything is exactly the same. We've seen that. We've seen the ones that take 30 minutes to introduce a song or that give you the history of everything. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen all that stuff where by the time you start your second song, everybody's asleep or they got a gun in their mouth. It was, you know, it's, it's just so, so there's no, there's no flow to the concert. There's no, you know, and, 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 and it takes a toll on everybody in there, not just, you know, so, so yeah, so people don't do what they did back then. I mean, even a Springsteen concert now, I mean, it's rare to see somebody go out, you know, and slog it out for two and a half, three hours straight. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Maiden, I think their, their, their shows are Iron Maiden's at, at, at two hour show and, and an encore, yeah. you know, and these are not young people, but that, but that's how they, that's how they started off and they're still mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. That, that's kind of the sad reality of the way things are now is that there are, there are plenty of bands like us out there who are real musicians doing their, doing their real thing, playing real shows and doing real tours and, um, but they're never, we're never going to have like Metallica or Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, these guys were, were fortunate enough to, to hit worldwide fame before without all the stuff. Yeah. And without the internet radio thing. Yeah. To, yeah. The talent's still out there. The, the point is, this, unfortunately, the, the, the ingredients for like a worldwide sensation are just not there anymore because everybody's, it's 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 a blessing and a curse in different ways. Yeah, people people's attentions are split in all different kinds of ways. The, the good thing is that people like us can find our, our niche audience globally, not just locally, but globally. So that's that's sort of sort of the uh, the, the the silver lining and the way things have changed. So you can go uh, and find exactly the kind of music you want to you want to listen to, and it's really easy to find. It's really easy to communicate with the bands that you like, and you can you can find them, you can talk to them. But as far as there anybody rising to the level of the Beatles or Elvis or U2 or, or Metallica or Iron Maiden, it's just never going to happen again. Unless, unless there's something coming down the pike that I can't see. Because, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't see the internet. Nobody I know predicted or could, could have predicted what, what things were going to be like now when I was a teenager. I, I certainly had no idea. I mean, people talked about the, the, the World Wide Web and... and uh, but you know, we knew something like like this was coming, but we really didn't know what it meant. Um, yeah, and and also, you know, not not to well, I, I think we've already beat the crap out of the point, but yeah, the uh, but also the record company things. That was the that was the goal. You had to get the record company and the sign the deal, and then the doors. That's exactly what you don't do now. Yeah, you know, you don't do. You, you would do it now if they came along with the with a, and were able to put you on a tour and actually get you. But but that's just that's not the way how that's not the way that they work. Yeah. But um. And there, there's and again there's there's a, there's a there's a good part to that and then there's a sad part. Um. Good part is people aren't getting screwed over <laughs> quite as often anymore by these huge yeah because the touch of a mouse and you you figure out what yeah you, yeah you, you, it, there's more transparency and yeah. people people know and people I mean people knew back then that they were getting screwed over the Beatles knew they were getting screwed they just didn't find out soon enough. Every all these famous bands that we're talking about, pretty much all of them signed a bad deal at some point in their career just because they didn't know any better. If I had been signed when I was in my early twenties, early nineties, I would have been screwed over because I didn't know anything. So um, 
there is that, that, that now the technology in general is so advanced now that you don't really need a record label anymore. But back then you did. And the, the good thing about record labels back then um, was they, there was more, there were, there was more, um, more of an, um, an adventurous uh, uh, entrepreneurial type of thing going on where uh, Frank Zappa, there's a video really great. I have to go dig up this video where Frank Zappa's talking about that. The good thing about the way the, the, all the old rec, record execs were that the cigar chomping, you know, stereotype uh, that you think of from the movies, they would find these crazy bands like the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole thing of prog rock that happened in the late sixties and the early seventies. There's no way anything like that would happen now because all these bands that playing these really esoteric things and a lot of bands where they were signed didn't really know what their sound was or they were they're still developed. There was this thing called artist development back then, but now a sad thing started happening throughout the eighties and the nineties where uh, record labels started taking less and less chances, and so music started becoming more and more cookie cutter and and now it's to the point where popular music is just sounds the same to me anyway it just all sounds the same to me yeah that was that was part of the that was yeah. part of the conversation in in little rock that we had and i yeah, said yeah. i said that those not only would those bands not get noticed now but the bands that are starting today have it much worse in that they have to start with a find that name google that name if you're going to use it yes you know find that name but then you know that's that's the that's the that's the easy part yeah but then you get into you know and and back then it was all hands on deck as in one guy had to come out to your show or you know, some people from the record company had to come out and see your show in order to you know it wasn't just a oh I heard of this or you know let me hear the tape you, they had to go and see what they did and but before I forget too speaking of getting screwed over so what would you do <laughs> yeah I've been thinking about this a lot the past few days and it's it's not an easy question to answer because I, on the one hand I know I would be miserable if I wasn't doing music of some sort well, you're pretty miserable <laughs> pretty miserable anyway yeah no um. And I've I've actually been there before I met Patrick. I, there was a period uh, when I lived in New York, and then for a few years when I moved back to Houston, where I really wasn't doing much. And I, and I know how miserable that makes me. So already I already know that it, it's hard for me to imagine doing anything else because I've already done something else and I didn't <laughs> like it, and I don't want to go back to that. But the, the easier question to answer is like, what would what would I be doing if blackguards hadn't happened? Um, I had a day job <laughs> at that point. I might still have that day job. I was working at Baylor College of Medicine. Um, I don't think I would have stayed there, though. Uh, there's, a, there's a chance I might have gone deeper into web design, but I know that that probably wouldn't have fulfilled me much either. But so um, a couple of years before Blackguards happened, I was in school and I was pursuing an English degree. So there's a, there is a possibility that I might have gone down that route. I might have become a, an English professor or a writing professor or something along those lines. Um, but beyond that, it's really hard for me to imagine because <laughs> I have always been a writer of some sort since I was a little kid. I've always been writing. Uh, so I, I, I might've tried to get into some other form of entertainment because I was long before I picked up guitar, I was already looking down that, you know, thinking about doing something in the entertainment industry, but I just didn't know what exactly. So, um, and there's also a, there's also a good, uh, good chance you'd be working in, in, Recording too, your ears definitely, yeah, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, with mixing this slapper cast and with all, you know, also, you know, putting our live tracks together at stuff at home, your ears yeah. definitely become more tuned to the. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, um, I guess I'm, I went off in two different directions because I was talking about what happened 
without the band, but I went off in the non-music direction <laughs> instead. Um, yeah, that is that is. And you didn't talk about your pimping career at all. Either. Yeah, well, you know, I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's definitely definitely a possibility too. And one thing I was thinking about, um, which we we didn't mention this in the, in the earlier shows, we were talking about the early days of the band. That when you and I first started uh, working together, like the day that you called when Tom quit, and you called just to ask me to take to, his place. to tell you you were yeah, playing bass, <laughs> yeah. Patrick always says that, like he had to, he had to tell me what to do. But I was actually, I was waiting for him. To, <laughs> I was waiting for that call. So I figured it was going to come sooner or later. Not that I knew Tom was going to be quitting, but he, Patrick and I have been talking for several months at this point already about doing something. We just didn't know what it was going to be. And Tom quitting, you know, opened up a door that I don't think we had really anticipated what was going to be there. Because uh, before that, I was going to be Patrick would wind up being in two bands, which was uh, probably wouldn't have worked out. But when we first started talking about that, I remember we we went and went to that Starbucks near my apartment on Kirby. And we sat out sat out there and talked for a while. And at that point, you because you're you're talking about the, what that the vision you had of what the sound that you wanted to get, you, you've been going after it for several years and you hadn't managed to get there because because you hadn't found the right people. At that point, you were like kind of sour on the whole Irish rock thing. You're like, let's let's just go off. You, you know, we were talking about doing all these other things, um, more of a like a space hog kind of sound or something like that, where we'd be more more rock and less less, you know, not 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 even using the Irish yeah uh, tagline or, or the, the, the you know basically just completely tearing everything down from the set list that was there and just starting over again. But then another another unexpected thing happened was this uh, woman named Tori Hoyseth dropped us an email. And then when we started, we met her and we started doing stuff with her. And, and so after one of those rehearsals, Patrick pulled me aside and said, Hey, I said, by the way, you know, now that Tori's here, we're going back to the Irish thing. <laughs> I was like, you okay with that? I was like, yeah, fine. So and we, we've, we've said before that uh, if it wasn't for Tori, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we definitely would still be doing something, but would it have been called Stout Irish Rock? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, well, Tori is one of the few... Uh, fiddle players that is able to um, on a whim, you know, without thinking or with thinking or without planning or, th- I mean, just just able to sail throughout many many genres of music. She's just with no effort. She's able to skim rock music, you know, blaze through bluegrass, you know, just you know, just dig into rock. I mean, just. It, flawlessly, and 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 for some of the other players we've had, and I would say we've we've played with some fantastic players, um, and it was just very difficult for them to find that Irish. That there is an Irish fiddle sound, believe it or not, and there's many, many, many different styles and whatnot. However, when you strip away the band and you solo that, that you know, you just hear that that fiddle on its own playing that Irish tune, the trained ear. And the not so trained ear will be able to tell that you're faking because there's there, there's a lot of things that you do. And again, I go back to my old friend Mark Knopfler. You guys probably haven't heard of him, but uh, he talks uh, about he's from Newcastle and uh, in England, and they they're steeped deeply, deeply, deeply steeped in I'd, I'd even say buried in Celtic music there. So it always came through in his playing. Yeah, and you can you can. You can, especially his 
uh, his solo stuff, his his more recent solo stuff, mm-hmm. is you cannot get away from that Celtic, the, the, you know, that those roots, they just bleed through his music. And I don't know if he intentionally puts it in there or he doesn't, but it's there and it's stuck. And to be able to, you can't fake it. We talked about that too and the, the other shows. You can't fake it. You can go in and you can be a novelty band and you can have three to four different bands and then we'll go and we'll do Irish on Paddy's Day and then we'll go back to being a punk band. Then we'll go over here and we'll be a pop band and we'll do weddings on the weekends. Well, and, and that's great. People can do it. However, it's completely see-through when you're, you know, when you know what, you, you, you know what you're listening to and you know what you're looking for. So same thing with a, uh, with a, when, when you strip away the rock band and the fiddle plays, you need somebody that's able to, 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 to really play that, put heart, put yeah. feeling, emotion behind that yeah. Irish fiddle. Yeah. And I, you know, some of those songs go by really, really, really fast and the melodies are really, really quick, but you can tell immediately if they know their stuff, if they worked mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. and again, you can kind of come in, you can, you know, so yeah. without belaboring that point, it's, it's so, it, it, it was so evident that we needed to run with the Irish side of it with because Tori not only her, her mother is a phenomenal uh, fiddle teacher and so Tori had a violin in her hands I want to say when she was eight seconds old yeah. I mean and uh, and now Tori's uh, two beautiful daughters in San Francisco yeah. are also playing yep. and I got a video just today with them playing and I'm telling you I'm telling you 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 know you can teach it, but you also have to have it in your blood, and they have it. They, yeah, they, yeah. they have it. Yeah, yeah. Fiddle in general is is, is a difficult instrument. I, I I can't get over the the no frets, and um, uh, yeah. So, in, in order to be just a good fiddle player, you just need incredible intonation. You need. The, the, I mean, you have to go through the steps to 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 become that you know that player. Um, but then when you do an Irish tune, uh, that's what that's why when, when Turi played for us first, she played a bunch of those jigs and reels back to backs and, and she she put medleys together that she thought sounded really good together. And when we heard them our jaws drop because she was able to play them at the speeds that we wanted to play mm-hmm. them. And uh and then and, and without losing the without losing the feel. So we always knew we were gonna go play in Ireland and when you take it to Ireland, it's gotta it's gotta you know, you, you, you got you got to get it past them. You got to, you know, you got to get it past that crowd. And if you don't get it past that crowd, you're you're dying to death. <laughs> so I'll put a I'll put a a link to one of these videos on here too. But Terry Terry came back and played a, a reunion show with us back in 2010 when we put the live album out uh, at the Continental Club, and uh, she had been, she had been playing bluegrass. Her husband is a bluegrass musician. Um, I think specializing in mandolin. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not the only instrument he plays. But they're both extremely talented. And uh, so she came back for those shows, a completely different fiddle player. I mean, she was excellent when when we played with her, but when she came back for those shows, it was like a whole completely different musician. Um, and it, you can hear it. You can see it and hear it for yourself in those videos. It's pretty astounding. And that was almost 10 years ago now. So, But uh, I think, I think uh, had we caught... Turi a little later in her life, she might actually still be in the band. If she's listening, I hope she doesn't find this too presumptuous. But she was really young. She was 10 years younger than we were. We were mid-30s. She was mid-20s. She's in her 50s now, though. Yeah, right. 
but you know, she she was just she just got restless. I think a, uh, several years into it, so she wanted to move out to California, which she did, and turned out to be a good decision. But uh, yeah, but at that point, I think Patrick and I had already done our roaming globally. We were kind of just happy to stay here in Houston, so we weren't really uh, itching to, to move away again. That is something that I, I've, I've I was wondering. Getting back to the original question that started the show. When I, because I, when I met Patrick, and I only, I just moved back from New York about two, well, three years before, and uh, my intention always was to move back. I've often wondered if I hadn't had this band, you know, would I, would I have tried to go back to New York? And I don't know, I don't know. I think, I think I would have gone wherever, wherever there were, there were something, <laughs> something interesting for me to do. There's also a possibility that I might have moved to Portland, Oregon, since a bunch of my friends moved up there around that time. Uh, musician friends of mine who were bugging me to join them, and if I had nothing going on here, uh, there's possibility that could have happened too. But I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard for me to imagine now. I've I've been living in the same same house for uh, almost 20 years now. <laughs> I'm extremely deeply rooted in Houston. I, I don't think I'm going to be leaving. Yep, if that ankle bracelet has anything to do with it, you won't be going far. <laughs> yeah, definitely no retail. No, gosh, no, <laughs> no. That's um, the thing is, I, I've I've had all these different kinds of jobs. Yeah, I worked I worked in counter service. I used to right out of high school, I was working at a deli. Worked at Butera's Delicatessen in Montrose, and I worked at Con's Deli in Rice Rice Village. And then I moved to New York. I was working at a at a coffee shop. I was a barista there. A place called La Friandi's on Lexington Avenue between Seventieth and Seventy First, I think. Um, Sounds like you're making it up. Yeah, but that that was like every time I went back into counter service, I was like, it was always for me saying, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> I wind up doing it again. And then something happened. This was in the mid 90s. And then the desktop, desktop, desktop uh, publishing revolution happened. And that's, uh, and it was a little easier for me to get jobs behind a desk working at a computer. So that's what I was doing throughout my late 20s and early 30s up until I met Patrick. And uh, and I was able to quit my job. After turn off the this. red light. What's that? Then turn, turn off the red light. Turn off the red light. <laughs> I was able. To, I was able to uh, to quit my day job uh, about four years into doing this. I think so. Yeah. I. I this is I'm, like I say. Like I'm deeply rooted in Houston. I'm so deeply rooted in this lifestyle now. I don't think I could ever go back to a day job. I think I would. I would. I wouldn't be a very good employee. <laughs> um, I can vouch for that. <laughs> I mean, the whole reason I quit, really, it, it, obviously I wanted to do this full-time, but but it, with us at the, that point, it had gotten to the point where I just wasn't sleeping. You know, because we, we were, especially because we had those Wednesday gigs in the middle of the week, so, you know, I, I would always be coming in late, and I was getting sick all the time because I wasn't sleeping, and uh, it was it was, uh, yeah. it was just... And these 24-hour Mexican restaurant yeah. after every show... <laughs> So, if I, if I, this, if all this was just to stop now, I'd still have to figure out some way to to remain self employed. I think I just don't think I could ever go to work for somebody else again. Yeah, so it 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 really is. It's a it's a different animal when you when you do this for a while. Yeah, you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't trade it. You wouldn't trade it for anything. But at the same time, there's a lot of times where you just want to jump off a cliff because the. The, I'm I'm dreading the you know we're going out to Vegas a couple of weeks, and I'm dreading the drive out there. However, I'm looking forward to playing. We're playing every single night for essentially two weeks. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I'm looking forward to that because I like the, I like the, uh, you know, I like the fact that we're not setting up gear and tearing down every night. That is a plus. And I also like the Red Rocks Canyon out there because I like yeah. to go hiking. So there's so much, there's so much, I'm, 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 there's so much I'm, that, I, that, I, that I hate about it. You know, the, 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 the drive out there is miserable. You know, you just, uh, as long as you get through Dallas at night, that's half the battle. But, um, you know, the, the miles and the miles and the, and then the crap food, cause you just can't get decent, you know, this, this last trip up to, uh, to, uh, Little Rock. yeah, we did, a, we did a long view on the Friday, which is three, three and a half hours outside of Houston. And then, uh, three and a half hours up to Little Rock and then, you know, seven hours home. And, you know, you kind of, kind of screws up your Sunday, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, so, 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 so your Friday's gone, Saturday's gone and your Sunday's screwed, you know, you, you know, I only got a couple hours sleep on Sunday and, and then got, you know, so, so, so there's so, there's so little time to kind of rebound, get your, get back on your feet, you yeah. know, and then you got to start again. And, uh, next thing you know, you look up and it's the weekend again. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky in that we get to go to different places and we don't have to do the same, you know, we don't, and we've never done the same show, but we don't have to do the same place and we don't have to do the same, you know, so that's the great part about it. The crap part is getting there. And, and uh, getting back, know, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of the times, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, again, uh, you know, if it I get, ever, yeah. if I ever find our manager, I'm going to choke him. <laughs> but the, uh, the good news is, it's gotten easier. I mean, not to say it's easy these long drives, but it used to be much more, yeah, yeah, yeah. painful. Uh, for yeah, us. here to Austin, we we we'd, we'd have to switch drivers. Yeah, yeah. You know, two our, and a half hours. Our brains just were not trained to stay awake for those lengths of time, or just. Yeah, not even the length of time. It's just the, the the monotony of just staring at the road for so long, and you know, I think yeah. it's, it's just natural for that to put a lot of people to sleep. And early, I mean, especially early on when we were doing it, I'm gesturing like the people, like you people can see what I'm doing. Um, I can see what you're doing. You're not even gesturing. Why? <laughs> um, back in those days, I, I, like I was saying, I was I was juggling this with a day job, so I was losing sleep because of that. Patrick had to. Uh, young children, so we we just didn't get very very much sleep in in general anyway. So these we'd go to these, what are now just dawdles for us, like driving two hours away, and and then coming back was was almost torture. Uh, the drives home anyway after the show, we would we, we'd often be really having a hard time. <laughs> but now it's like I mean, like for example, we just did this drive home from uh, from Little Rock on Sunday morning, and I wouldn't say it was easy. It was definitely tough, but that was a seven hour drive and, and, uh, I thought it was easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, uh, well, Patrick drove the entire length home. I, I drove the second half. We, we split it up because he, the, there was two vehicles involved. Yeah, that's yeah, why. That's right, that's exactly. Right. I Usually, drove the whole way. So do you. He sat on my knee. He did <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I want to go. Yeah. And I was pretty much awake the whole time too. But, uh, usually, usually in the, you know, at some point, at the end of those 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 shifts, I, I expect to start struggling, but I didn't this time. And a lot of it just has to do with your your brain gets used to it. But um, yeah, it's it's not the funnest part of the job, that's for sure. But as far as like like Patrick was saying, looking forward to these the stint in Vegas that we're about to do. And he meant, you know, earlier we were talking about the Beatles in Hamburg and so forth. 
I reading about that when I was a kid, reading about what they what they went through. I wanted that, you know, I wanted to be thrown into the fire and to have to play these long shows, you know, hour after hour and night after night. And uh, I, I got it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we've, I've, done, I've, we've now been doing this way longer than the Beatles did. So yeah, take I got that. My wish. <laughs> right. Yeah, we've been, you know, and I, I, I like that. I like the performance part of it, and I like the energy of that. It's the, you know, when you have to break down every single night and then set up every single night and then sure, you know, and and you're never gonna say, you know, if if you if you sound check. You know, you you run all the lines and you check all the microphones, the guitars and the drums. And you check everything. You make sure that this, it sounds as good as you can possibly make it sound. You know, as soon as you add some more bodies to the room, it's a different sound. So you're not. You just have to get your levels, and you know, hopefully your band can play with a little bit of dynamics. Meaning, you know, they can shift their volumes to to accentuate or to you know to to, to add to the mood of the the, the show and. You know, everybody give in. Everybody throw in what they can. You know, when it's supposed to, and come back when you can, and you know, hopefully play in time and key. And and but so there's so much of that. It's just nice to be able to. It would be nice to be able to just show up and play. You know, just do your show. However, when you're running your own sound, when you're being your own, you know, it's more challenging because you've got to. You got to bring the same energy every night you gotta it doesn't matter if there's two people there or twenty thousand people there you gotta do the same show you can't you can't be you know and then the other thing is you you're you're no matter what you're is happening in your personal life what's ever happening yeah you think you can't bring it you can't yeah. you know yeah. you can't uh you can't um that that's that's uh, as a difficult part of performing you know and you know, you know, you're not always getting along. You're not always get, you know, things are not always going your way, and and uh, you can't, you can't bring that to a show. No club, no club wants to hire a band that's, uh, or I guess if they're bringing in an emo band, <laughs> they know that. But you know, it's difficult to see a show where they're staring at their shoes, or they're, you know, or, or maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's the, you know, that's what you want to hear. But for what we're doing, it's really difficult to push the push the good time the tongue-in-cheek stuff with no backing you know with no you know when you don't when you're not living it you when know you, you have to yeah you have to be believable yeah anyway i think we've i think we've reached the end of this i think we've answered one of the two questions he asked did we what was the other one what did I, we not answer i think he said can you do it in under two minutes <laughs> oops yeah Okay. Yeah. Oh, and, and also, Laurie had asked. She said because of slapper cast. She said, "What about using slappers as an intro?" Because she need, needs music. Yes and no. Great idea. Yes. No, we're not going to use that because we're only going to use new music going forward. So we have to come up with a new. We have to come up with it. We we do have some uh, clips that we're going to be putting up here pretty soon. And uh, I think what we should do is, and I get um, we can use this or not use this, but I think what we should do is we should play a couple of different clips and that people that are listening to the to the podcast let them decide which ones you know which ones are like which one we can use or not which one we should work on yeah no which yeah which one we should use for the if we're going to put music you know at the beginning of the oh okay you know <laughs> well i have yeah i don't know i wasn't really but i told her i, was, I wasn't too fond of the idea of having a having the same song or having a theme song yeah just because i like it i mean i, I like the the challenge of it but i also i i know that it's nice to have different but yeah we need to we need to start t 
taking some of those clips and putting some. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What 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 I what I worry about though, because I, I know from from listening to a lot of these podcasts that I wind up if somebody has an intro, it's the same intro every time. I'll just skip over it <laughs> because it's really easy to do that in these. You're a skipper, Chad. Skip forward ten seconds, twenty seconds, and get to the part where they actually start where they actually start talking. And that's why I I I edit these shows the way I do, where we just starts with us talking because I don't I don't like those shows where these. <laughs> Okay, well then I'm just gonna. Like we're doing. What's your favorite humming noise? Where they just talk about nothing for like five minutes before they actually get into what the show is going to be about, and I don't like that. So that's that's um, that's the sandwich time, Chad. The sandwich time? Yeah, you go make a sandwich. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you see, that's what you have to do in the old old days, but now now we have a skip button. Oh, okay. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna record something, and I'm gonna record it in half time. So when you fast forward it, you're gonna hear it in full time. Good idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't escape. All right, uh, yeah. This is you may you may detect a slightly different uh, level of energy in the show because we usually do this first thing in the morning. This one is later in the evening because it was a very busy weekend. We didn't have time to do this before. Yes, and also yesterday was Mother's Day. No, it wasn't. It was no. Um, anyway, so I think that's it for now. Excellent. Yes, and then coming up, we're gonna we're gonna work on getting the. The other ladies in on the show, and also we're going to be, uh, we're going to have to, because uh, we're going to be on the road for a while. We're going to have to do this either a Facebook Live thing, or we're going to have to do something on the road. So there's going to be, uh, I would, if I were you, definitely tune in because we're going to have, you know, a lot of uh, uh, happenings and mishappenings from the road, and also we're going to have a lot of news. Of uh, the upcoming Ireland tour and the, uh, you know, just uh, regular daily mayhem. Yeah. Updates. And- yeah. And hopefully a lot more uh, studio stuff coming up soon as well. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. But we do thank you for listening. Yes. Yes. And, also, and as always, please send us your questions because we will put them to good use. Um, we'll probably be recording another show this week, actually. So, by the way, of course, you're not going to hear this until next week. But you know the drill. Send us your questions. All right, thank you. Word to your mother. <laughs>